Most people by nature want to avoid conflict. It usually doesn't feel very good, and it can result in some pretty awkward situations, and sometimes it it just leads to bruised egos or hurt feelings, and that is something we naturally tend to steer away from. It's almost like a self-preservation mechanism. But since it's a guaranteed part of running a business and being a leader and running a family for that matter, I want to talk today, what are some of the ways to handle conflict with a level of confidence where you don't feel like you have to melt into a puddle and slink away because it's going to be too painful or uncomfortable? And in a world that is so easily polarized, there has never been a more important time to know how to face conflict head on. So today I'm talking about some of the tried and true strategies that you can bring into your team, to your clients, into your work, or into your living room to handle conflict as a confident leader. Pull up a seat to the table. You are listening to the Luminary Leadership Podcast, where we elevate successful entrepreneurs into powerful leaders doing work that really matters. After working with countless entrepreneurs, I've noticed a theme. No matter the level of success achieved, they get to this place where they're asking, now what? If you're listening to this, you get it. You're craving more impact. You want to do work that means something and you want to be known for it too. Somewhere along the way, it wasn't just about growing a business anymore. It became time to build your legacy. Plus, building the dream at the expense of everything else that matters, family, freedom, joy, is no dream at all. The Luminary Leadership Podcast is where industry leaders come to break through to their next level of achievement, purpose, and impact. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, and I'm here to raise up this generation of leaders, us, so we can do our part in raising up the next generation of little luminaries. Get ready as we break down all things entrepreneurial leadership in a way that isn't being talked about. We both know you don't just need another strategy. It's time for your breakthrough. This is one of the guarantees of being a leader, right? When you are leading others, whether it's in your business or in your home or in life in general, you are destined for moments of conflict. And sometimes conflict carries such a heaviness to it, but really it's a friction. It's a challenge. It's an opportunity for growth. And the natural inclination, unless of course you are my husband, is to hope that it blows over and to hope that it solves itself, to let it be, to work around it. My husband, I swear, he's just, he's wired differently. He thrives in those situations. Now that I'm saying it aloud, I'm like, maybe he should have gone into HR or something. But he's a huge asset to our business because of how he handles things like this. He actually doesn't view it as a conflict. He sees it as problem solving. That man loves to solve problems. It's an opportunity for growth or enhancement. It's a chance to learn, to get better, to reconnect. Like that's how he views it. When you put that in the scope of our marriage, it means no stone is left unturned. I'm the type that it's like, oh, can we just let this one blow over? I don't want to talk it through. And he's like, no, let's dive into this. Let's dig deep. Let's figure out where this comes from. And let's get better. Let's grow together. But if you're like the majority of us who would, I don't know, rather stick a hot fork in your eye than willingly jump into an awkward dialogue or address a messy situation, This episode's for you. And even if you're like my hubby, I'm going to share some critical, not always talked about strategies to consider coming into a hot topic or a sticky situation. So as a leader, I have seven things you want to do. Seven must-take steps when you are handling conflict, especially 
to start to shift into handling conflict as a confident leader instead of someone who just has to handle conflict because it's on your plate. Instead of handling conflict as a manager, there's a difference. And the first one is the most important piece. You hear me talk about it all the time, but now I'm talking about it through this particular lens is to know your values and set clear standards as a benchmark, right? So whether we're talking about in your home with your kids or with your team members, it is up to you as the leader to set really clear expectations and standards by which you all operate, okay? Those should be rooted in the values that you've chosen to live by as a company or as a family. This is work that a lot of leaders try and skip or they assume that everyone's on the same page or we've talked about it once before so everybody must know the direction that we're going in or what our expectations are. And that can lead into some pretty tough, awkward conversations or situations. So for example, as a company, we have a strong value of leading with love. Okay. We live by the golden rule. Money is not our main driver. Treating other people the way we want to be treated is one of our main drivers. So for us, we've found that this has not only served our mission and our clients, but it's also ultimately led to more business and has served our souls in the process, which is a really important piece of the puzzle for me for myself, for my team members, my family. And I remember back when I worked for a large corporate company, it was so transactional. They had their protocols and they didn't waver and the money would change hands as plans or there were gonna be consequences, right? And that is a standard that I've seen a lot of small business owners adopt where they're like, have your boundaries and set them strict and your team knows the protocol and they just follow it to a T and then everybody knows their role and how it's dealt with and Yeah, there is a time and a place for training and structure, but I think there has to be more humanity. At least that's my personal opinion. Your values might differ greatly. So although we work with contracts and we generally stick to those contracts, and we also have this element of treating people as people. What a novel concept. And if I hadn't expressed that standard and value to my team, We could have run into some trouble when one of our clients suffered a massive personal loss and missed a payment one month, okay? So yes, we have our contracts, and those contracts say very specific, legally binding things. And we have our standard operating procedures, and those standard operating procedures are written out, and they're very simple. We have a process. But we also take each person under the microscope, and we have a personal connection with that person and we figure out how we need to address it. And that value, the humanity of it, of the golden rule comes before our standard operating procedures. Some people might argue that this isn't smart business. This is how I will forever run my business. Okay. So because our team was on the same page with that, we were able to address it appropriately in accordance with our values. If we weren't in touch with our people, with our clients, and we didn't have a pulse on where they were at, we could have just followed the protocol that would say, okay, send the follow-up asking for payment X amount of times, then send the warning that we're revoking access to their resources. And then as some businesses do, we could send that bill to collections and just take it off our hands completely. But instead, our team, without needing to run it by me, because my goal is to empower them to run with our values without having to be micromanaged or checked in on and have the authority to make those decisions, my team was able to personally connect with that individual and work out a plan that fit for both them 
and the company. And we were able to emotionally support them during that time of need and find a resolution that worked for everybody. And our team knows that we work hard to do the right thing always, even if it's harder on us in the short term. That was a standard we had. It was a value we live by. And because we were all on the same page, it didn't even have to turn into a conflict. So that's why this number one is so important. Knowing those values is important important because you will avoid a lot of conflict if you have these intact. But when you're trying to operate without those benchmarks or without that standard or North Star, you're going to run into far more situations where you're having to pick up the pieces after the fact, which is always more challenging than dodging the bullet initially. So if you have to undo some damage because you missed that part, this would be a good time to work through those standards and those expectations and those priorities and those values and own the fact that you could have done a better job sharing them in the process. So if you feel a little unclear about this, because a lot of people do and you're like, I keep running into the same patterns and situations and it's stressing me out, I have a tool that's going to help you get laser focused on this. So if you go to luminaryleadershipco.com forward slash focus, you can download this free guide that's going to help you identify those values, what's important, get ultimate clarity and laser focus on who you are, what you're called to do, what's yours to handle. It's going to make dealing with conflict so much easier for you. So go to luminaryleadershipco.com forward slash focused. And that is focused, past tense, focused, F-O-C-U-S-E-D. The second thing that you need to do to be a confident leader handling conflict that's ahead of you is address it head on. So if you do run into conflict, because you will, even if you have your values intact, you're still going to face challenges. You're still going to face friction. You're still going to deal with someone that's a squeaky wheel and complaining about something or didn't operate by those, you know, values that you stand by or whatever it might be. And you're still going to have to face it. The big mistake I see leaders make is avoiding the conflict. They push it off. They hope it will pass or just get better on its own, or smooth itself over, or worse, they make these kind of like passive comments and hope that the person on the receiving end is just going to pick up on their little hints and clues and make this miraculous change without any need for conflict resolution or conversation. And this is a perpetuating pattern. This is giving permission and acceptance to that behavior that doesn't align with the values that you have or where you're going. You got to nip it in the bud. You got to do it early and often because toxicity festers and it spreads and it will affect and even hurt other members of the team, right? It will also elongate the amount of time that you have to suffer, that they have to suffer. So I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because it's really so poignant for this particular step in the process. The difference between cattle and buffalo. Okay, so out west, there are a bunch of cattle, a bunch of buffalo. And this is is not so much a story as like a fact of how they operate, okay? When there's a giant storm, the cattle start to run away from the storm, right? They, as a kind of stampede, all, they see the storm coming, they feel it coming, and they start running away from the storm. But what they're ultimately doing is running with the storm. The storm is almost chasing them. And what it does is it expands the amount of time that those cattle have to suffer in the storm. But the buffalo, on the other hand, they do something completely different. As the storm comes and they feel it coming, they face 
the storm and they run into it. And what happens is because they're running towards it and the storm is going through them, they are shortening the length of time that they have to be in that storm. That is the type of leader you want to be. You want to be a buffalo leader, okay? You want to run into the storm. You want to face it. You want to navigate it. You want it to be as quick and swift as it can be. You don't want to disillusion yourself into thinking that you're actually avoiding it when you're really just stretching the amount of time that you have to be in it, right? It's just chasing you. The third thing you want to do, you got your values, right? You're no longer avoiding the situation. You're acting like a buffalo. The third thing is prepare. Get the facts. Assumptions as a whole, they weaken your footing as a leader and they also eliminate trust and they take you further and further from truth because your mind will play some serious tricks on you. Usually in a conflict, emotions are generally speaking running kind of high. So our tendency is to start filling in the gaps in our minds with the assumptions that we have or assumptions of others or gossip that's happening around this particular thing. So instead of getting the facts, prepare before the conversation prepare the right questions, right? Talk to the right people, get the facts from the source, get a better understanding of the situation as a whole. Don't go in with assumptions. Don't go in with gossip and rumors. Go in with truth as much as you possibly can, and then get the remaining truth in the actual conversation itself. So I had a client who I was serving and working with who was assuming that her employee was mad at her and that her lack of performance and lack of communication during this window of time was out of spite. Like she's like, oh, she's done with me. She, and then she started having all these ideas in her head about why it was happening. And it started to grow and she was losing sleep over it. She would send me an email in the morning be like, I was up since 3am. I just, I have this feeling that maybe she's working with somebody else and she doesn't want to tell me. And she had all of these stories that were swirling around and stressing her out. Well, come to find out when she actually got the facts that that employee's husband's cancer had come back and she had they had just recently found out and she was taking more frequent trips to the hospital and she was stressed and she was emotionally distraught and they were able to talk it through and work out a plan that served both of them in that season and it doesn't always mean that when there's a conflict or a shortcoming of someone that you're dealing with that conflict with you always accept the behavior because there's some sad story attached to it No, you still have to make wise decisions that are going to serve both parties. But when you come into it prepared and you actually understand and you get the proper information, then you can make the proper choices. You can discern what the answer should be rooted in truth. And one of the ways you can get there is the fourth suggestion I have for you, which is seeking wisdom, right? So you get the knowledge, you get the facts, but now it's time for the wisdom, what do I do about it? You're going to be presented with a lot of choices, right? Really tough decisions as a leader. You're going to face tough decisions in your business, clients, with team members. You're going to face tough decisions with opportunities that might be presented or things you didn't see coming or things within your family. And the facts can take you so far, but wisdom will take you over the hump. Okay, so depending on the level of the conflict, it might be smart to call on the wisdom of others who have walked through it, right? People you trust. And the the best tip I can give here is to choose people who share your values. Otherwise, you'll be guided by their values that might not align and might not take you to the end result 
you want to achieve. I've had that many times where I have wonderful people in my life, but when it comes to, you know, family or different things like that, we don't share the same values. And if I were to ask them how to navigate something business related, they might answer it from a place of not taking into consideration family, which is a key piece for me, which means their wisdom is not the proper guidance for me. So choose the right people. I have my dream team of people that I trust, right? My mother, my uncle, my husband, other mentors who have lifted me up over the years, and they can offer a calming voice or a suggestion or, or a story of how they've walked through it or wisdom based on having experienced something similar or a perspective that you just can't yet possess because you're still in the mess of it all, right? They're not in the weeds with you. They have a vantage point that you don't have. So lean into them when you need some guidance. And there's no shame in that. In fact, that's a very smart leadership thing to do. Okay, number five. This is one of my mother's favorite lines. She says it to me all the time, especially when I've called her for that wisdom around a conflict that I'll be walking into. She says, Elizabeth, buy, don't sell. So what does she mean? She means shut your trap, shut your trap, listen, let them talk, right? Our tendency is like, okay, I'm going to prepare and I'm going to ask all these questions and I'm going to give them this whole monologue about what I think and what they could have done better. No, 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 buy, don't sell. So don't try to sell them on what you're thinking. Instead, sit, listen. Sometimes they're going to shed light on what's really going on and you're going to get more truth from it. Sometimes they're going to paint themselves into a corner and you'll gain clarity as a leader as to what you need to do next. Maybe they're not the right person. Maybe you got to let them go. Maybe this isn't a good fit. Maybe you just learned something that you didn't expect to learn that's going to allow you to make a more confident decision as a leader. Buy, don't sell. Number six is be human, but have a direct leadership paved path forward. Okay, so it's okay to have empathy. In fact, you should have empathy. A good leader has empathy, but it doesn't take away from their directness and their leadership. Clarity is kind. Honesty is kind. You can be human and you can hear someone's struggles and you can offer support and you can give empathy without making a choice that could perpetuate the problem or allow it to fester or accept the behavior or do something that puts your company in harm's way, right? So it's a beautiful balance of the two, of being human, but being direct, having empathy, but still remaining a leader that's true to their values. It's not kind, despite how it might feel at the time, to keep someone in a role they aren't fit for. It's not kind to let someone off the hook when you see something better in them and you knew if you were to speak directly to that thing, that they could grow. That's a big part of leadership. We were just talking about this on our kickoff call in our incubator not too long ago talking about the fact that leadership is not just about you. It's not just about becoming the best version of you as a leader. The evidence of your health as a leader is going to be in the leadership growth of your people. So sometimes you see something in them that they're not living up to, and it's a conflict to call them out. It's uncomfortable, but you'd be doing a disservice if you didn't. So you can still have that humanity while still being very direct and very clear about your expectations and your standards and what the path forward will look like. Because maybe that path forward isn't keeping them in your company. 
but you can still love them through that, right? You can still be empathetic to their plight or where they're facing. And the final one is do the right thing. And doing the right thing often means doing the tough thing. Sometimes that is forgiving. Sometimes that's taking ownership of your poor leadership that led to the problem or that allowed the problem to continue. Sometimes that's letting someone go. Sometimes that's investing more of your time and energy into that person because you hadn't previously and it led to this conflict. But always do the right thing. We had a situation not long ago where we were getting ready for church on Sunday morning and we're going out to the garage to go get in the car and leave for church, which is always, you know, mass chaos with the three kids. And we send our son out first. We're like, Jack, go get in the car and bring your sisters. And he opens the door to the garage and we just hear him from the kitchen say, uh, dad, something's wrong. And he, he's like, uh, there's a hole in our ceiling. And we come running out and our ceiling in our garage had completely collapsed because <laughs> unknowingly and with no watermark to give us any warning, uh, the air conditioning unit that's up above the garage had been leaking into the drywall of the ceiling for like a month's time. And like I said, there was no evidence of it. There was no water dripping. There were no water stains, which is very weird. And when my husband went up into the ceiling to see what was going on, he could see that when the AC company had come out the month prior to fix our air conditioning, a, a separate issue, they'd accidentally severed the drain pipe. So the drain pipe wasn't draining into a pipe. It was draining into our drywall. And it collapsed. Now, thank God nobody was hurt. It happened in the middle of the night. And aside from some damage on our cars and no ceiling and a complete mess, everything was okay. So we called our insurance company and then we called the air conditioning company and, and just to let them know what had happened. And that's a conflict, right? Like they caused an issue and they could have easily offloaded ownership, said, oh, there's no evidence that it was us. They could have said, well, I'll just let your insurance deal with it. Not only did the owner of the company call us back, he showed us showed up at our house to look at the damage himself and said, we'll fix the drain pipe and we will completely repair all damages. We will come in this week and we'll fix all the drywall and we will bring everything back up to standard and we will refund you for what you paid previously. He didn't second guess it. He didn't wait to see if insurance was going to cover it. He didn't avoid us because it was an uncomfortable thing that he didn't want to admit was their fault. He did the right thing, even though it was a tough thing, even though it cost him money. I have such respect for that business owner. I will recommend him all over town. And if there's ever an opportunity for me to show up for them in any capacity, I will, because those are the type of leaders that I respect. Sometimes doing the right thing is doing the tough thing. But it's the thing that keeps respect intact and dignity intact and possibility intact. So to review, because I know you don't like conflict. I don't either. I know you don't want to navigate these things. I don't either. But it's the nature of the beast. Number one is know your values and set those clear standards as a benchmark early and often. Often is the key. 
You don't say it once and it sticks forever. You lead by example, you reiterate it continuously, and you come back to it if you've fallen off track. Number two is you address it head on. You're a buffalo, not a cattle. You make the choices quickly and decisively. You run into the storm and you nip it in the butt. Number three is you prep. You get the facts. Let go of assumptions. Don't let your mind wander. Get to the root. Find out the details. Ask the right questions. Number four is you seek wisdom. You don't have to navigate this on your own. Talk to someone who has different perspective but the same values. Someone who's maybe walked through it or that you would trust their judgment. Number five is buy, don't sell. The famous words of my mother, listen, let them talk, ask questions, and then just receive what they have to say. They will reveal a lot more than what you could find out by just talking at them. Number six is be human, but have direct leadership path paved and ready to go forward in. You can have empathy, but you can be kind. You can be very clear, but very direct. And number seven is do the right thing, even if it's the tough thing. Okay, I know leadership isn't always a bed of roses, but I assure you by putting these seven things into practice, it's going to change the game. There are so many things weighing on you because you've been avoiding addressing them. There are things that could be better and optimized. There's more possibility available to you. There's more potential that you could access if you were willing to navigate conflict, if you're willing to come to the table as the confident leader you're called to be. If this episode spoke to you, if it served you in any capacity, please tag us, share it, let us know, leave us a review. And as always, thank you so much for listening in. Thank you for sharing these episodes. It means so much to us and we read every review. I'm so grateful for this community and go out there and be a confident leader. You've got this. I hope today's episode gave you exactly what you needed. And if it spoke to you, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next juicy episode. And don't be shy. I don't bite often. So come connect with me over on Instagram at Eliz Hartke. And if there's a topic or a question, a guest you want to hear on the show or an idea you have for us, just reach out and share your thoughts. We do this for you. So the more you tell us, the more we can serve. Thank you for spending some time with me. I really do appreciate you. So tune in next time to keep building that legacy and doing the work that really matters.